Thank you for joining us for a message from the Christian Fellowship Church of Kandu, North Dakota. Please visit our website for more information about our church at kanducfc.com. All right. So last week we finished up our series on generosity and uh, I was praying this week about what it is that we ought to be talking about now and I, I feel like just for this Sunday I wanted to talk about influence. This is a word that God laid on my heart and he shared a few ideas with me. So we're going to talk about influence today. And when I think about influence or people who have been influential, I think back to probably the most influential person in my life apart from my parents, who, uh, and this man was my youth pastor, Brad Hubert. Uh, he moved to Winkler in the summer right before my freshman year, so that's the first time that I got to know him. The first thing that he did when he came to town was he stuffed as many teenagers as he could inside his Dodge Neon, remember those? And he took us to Dairy Queen and he, and he got us ice cream and we all hung out together for an hour one afternoon. And it was, it was wild for us to see this. Our church had never had a youth pastor before and we had, this is the first one and it was right from the get-go we could see that this guy clearly loved us and actually cared and was interested about our lives. I love this man. And, you know, over the years, all the things that he taught, all the things that he did, I didn't remember everything that he, that he taught us, but I do remember very clearly him speaking passionately about Christ. He spoke honestly about his faults. He spoke lovingly about his wife, thoughtfully about what it meant to have a relationship with Christ. He spoke boldly about honoring God he spoke humbly about his struggles in sin and seriously about the need for salvation. He joked, he laughed, he made mistakes, he apologized, he challenged us, he prayed for us, he worshipped the Lord fearlessly and, and bore his soul to us who were blessed enough to call him friend and youth pastor. He gave his life for the sake of the gospel. That was crystal clear right from the get-go. I could see something in Brad that I wanted to be. Brad Hubert, this man of God, had a massive influence on my life. I want you to ask yourself a question this morning. Do I or do you have an influence on anyone else? Do I impact people the way Jeff's youth pastor Brad impacted him? Ask yourself that question in, in, ser in seriousness. Do we have an impact or an influence on other people? I think that the answer is, and some of us may be surprised, that yes, absolutely, we all have an influence on someone. In Proverbs 27, verse 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron... So one person sharpens or influences another. When one piece of iron is rubbed against another, the pieces will become sharper. Like when a file is drawn against the blade of an axe, the, the file is going to cause that axe head blade to become sharper. The file influences the, that blade as they are rubbed together. According to this passage here, this Psalm 27, or this Proverbs 27 passage, the same principle is applied to people. As one person lives their life, they cause other people around them to change the way that they live. We have to be aware that what we do can influence others to live good lives or destructive lives. This happens both by what we do or what we fail to do. 
All of these things have an influence. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 13 and 14, he's saying to us, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. This is amazing. Salt is something that changes and enhances the taste of food. And light is, is when it is shone, that means that people can see by what that light is shining on. Salt and light are influencers, right? They influence what comes into contact with them. So that's why Jesus called us influencers when he said that you are salt. You enhance people's lives through the way that you add flavor or you are light. You are what shines in people's lives so that they can see the difference between darkness and light. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10:13, but we will not boast beyond limits but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even you. So from these two passages, Jesus says that we're to be influential, and Paul recognized God's call in his life to be influential. So yes, not only are we an influence, but God assigns us even to the people that we are supposed to influence. So influence is something that we all have, whether we think so or not. And this is something that we need to understand if we are going to use it well. So I guess the question is, after this, what kind of influence are we supposed to be? And I'm sure most of us can guess, even by some of these passages that we've read already. But let's, let's look at this from a biblical perspective so that we make sure that we understand. So this salt and light passage that we just read, it continues in verse 16 saying, In the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, that's supposed to be the end result of our influence. Other people should be drawn closer to God, should give glory to God because of the way that we impact them. So just like light shines, we're supposed to shine. We're supposed to radiate the love and goodness of God influencing each other, both believers here in church and unbelievers, those who we may meet outside the walls of the church, to worship God just like we do. Paul understood this when he wrote in 1 Corinthians 11.1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Another way to say this would be, be influential or be influenced by me as I am influenced by Christ. Or imitate my life, what I'm doing, because I'm imitating Jesus. And that means that we're all going to be imitating Jesus together. So here's an example of this exact principle from scripture. So Paul, Silas, and Timothy were very purposefully displaying a strong work ethic while they were ministering amongst the people in Thessalonica. Why were they doing this? Why were they working so hard? Was it to show off that they just like taking off their shirts and letting their muscles shine in the sun? No, it wasn't that at all. The reason that they were working so hard is so that they could be an example to the Thessalonians of how they are meant to live a Christian life. Second, Earth, Second Thessalonians 3.9 says, We did this, we worked hard amongst you in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. Okay, there it is. So by seeing the work ethic and copying it, the Thessalonians were able to guard against being lazy, being disruptive, and being busybodies, as it says in verse 11, which takes away from the unity and the purpose of the church. So imagine if we were all lazy. Imagine if we were all busybodies and in each other's business, but none of us were productive for Christ. Would we be a good example to one another? Would we be a good influence? 
No, that's why Paul and Silas and Timothy, they knew that they had to come and work hard to show them, guys, this is the way that we are meant to live life under the, uh, under the banner of Jesus Christ. As Christians, though, we are all meant to influence people, both believers and unbelievers, to follow Jesus and become continually more like him. Some people hear this kind of teaching, this kind of idea about an influence both in the church and outside of the church. And, and some of us were like, well, you know, Jeff, I'm not so sure about this. I think that my faith is my business and it's just between me and God. So then the question that they might ask is, can't I just focus on me? Do I really need to worry about everyone else and what my influence is going to be in their life? Well, no, we can't just focus on ourselves. Obviously, we should each participate in our own spiritual development and growth. That's a very important thing, but it shouldn't end there. We need to think about how to influence others to grow spiritually as well. So let's highlight four reasons why we can't just focus on ourselves, okay? Reason number one is this. God is sovereign over everything and everyone at all times. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. That's a fairly inclusive statement if I ever heard one, right? So everything is the Lord's and all people belong to him. All of us belong to the Lord. He is sovereign, ruling over every single person. We are meant to be following a leader who is sovereign over us, right? A police officer has sovereignty in his jurisdiction. We live in his jurisdiction. That means that if he lights us up and we are, he's behind us, we have to stop because that is his sovereignty. That's his authority. Same thing with Jesus. We live in the world he created. We are the people that he created. Therefore, he is sovereign and we must yield to him. That's, what, that's what's meant to happen. The earth is the Lord's and everything and everyone in it. Does God's leadership or his sovereignty over us only pertain to a certain portion or a certain time in our lives? Maybe it's when we're young and, and we're impressionable and that's when we should follow God. Or maybe it's before we have kids. Or maybe right up until retirement and then after that we can do whatever we want. Or maybe God's sovereignty only matters when we don't have something better to do. That's not the case. None of those things apply because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, the earth, and this earth belongs to him yesterday, today, and forever. So we can't just focus on ourselves. Paul never stopped belonging to Christ. He, he focused on him right from the beginning of his, of his encounter with Jesus right to the end of his life. In 2 Timothy 4 verse 7, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He didn't lay it down once he hit 65 and say, hey, this has been good. I've paid my dues. Now these last 20, 30 years, whatever I have left, that's all for me. That wasn't his disposition and it can't be ours either. I'm not picking on retirees, by the way, just as, as an example. Paul went hard for Christ right to the very end of his life because he knew that he had a job to be influential in this world. We can't focus on ourselves. We can never stop belonging to God. So that means that our purpose never ceases to serve God and be influential for him. The second reason why we can't just 
do our own thing and focus on ourselves is our life doesn't even belong to us in the first place. It's not that we, you know, we, we had a period of time where it was all about us and now it's about Jesus. It never, it never was not like that. In 1 Corinthians six nineteen to 20, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a high price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So the Holy Spirit, when, when we became Christians, the Holy Spirit entered our lives. He marked us and said, this one has received salvation. They are forgiven of their sins. They now belong to me. That's what the kind of ownership that Jesus can have over us. But the Holy Spirit didn't force himself on us. We invited him into our lives. We asked for this forgiveness to take place in our lives. Our bodies, our mind, our, our will, and our heart, all of these things, all that we are, they now belong to him and are meant to be used for God's purposes. That's why Jesus taught us the greatest commandment in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, saying, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. There is nothing left that we can keep for ourselves because Christ has bought it all. He paid for it all. God bought us completely and we can now honor him completely as we live to influence others for the glory of the king. This means we always live like this. It's not something we pick up and put down as we desire, but we always follow our owner or the one who bought us. We follow his mandate for our lives, and that's Jesus Christ. Third reason why we can't just focus on ourselves is we're taught to think about what is best for others. This is a common theme in scripture. 1 Corinthians 10.24 says, Try to do what is good for others, not just what is good for yourselves. And 1 Corinthians 10.33, For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Paul clearly understood the, his purpose on earth. It wasn't to make things as good as he could possibly make them for himself. It was to do what was good for others. He did this by living an exemplary life for Jesus Christ. That sort of attitude where we recognize that God has us here on earth still for the benefit of someone else, that is going to help us be influential. And the fourth reason why we can't just focus on ourselves is because the good news, it shouldn't end with us. If we just said, well, all right, now that I'm a Christian, I'm going to make myself the best Christian I can possibly be, but I'm not going to worry about anyone else. If that's what we did, that means that the good news of Jesus may even die with us and no one would benefit from us and the relationship that we have with God. So in 1 Corinthians 15.3, we read, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. I love this verse. Paul's life has been changed by Jesus Christ, and that's what he's talking about here. He had been influenced, and now it was his turn to be an influence. Think about this. Every one of us who is sitting here today, we have been influenced by someone else in some way to know Jesus or at least to consider entering into a relationship with Jesus. Every one of us has received some sort of a godly influence from someone else. So imagine if this church, we now take this and we go out and say, I want to share with others what has been shared with me. That is a, a biblical attitude when it comes to being an influence. 
So, so far, I think that we've discovered pretty clearly that we have a God-given purpose as Christians to influence people for Jesus. Maybe if we're a little bit cynical this morning, and I'm not saying that any of us are, we might be thinking, come on, Jeff, how much influence do I really have? You don't even know me that well. You don't know the hang-ups and all the garbage I have in my life. I can't be an influence. I don't even know Jesus like you do, Jeff. It just doesn't work this way. I, I, I believe that that's actually wrong. But I think it still is a good question to ask, how much influence do I really have? I think that we can, we can overestimate our influence, but I think much more commonly, we underestimate how much of an influence we are in the lives of others. So just take a look at this graphic with me. So here we, we have a, a pyramid that shows basically the three, three simple categories of Christians, okay? You have leaders at the top. They're at the narrow part of this pyramid because that's the smallest portion of the body of Christ. There's a few leaders. And these leaders, you know, they might be pastors. They might be presidents of a, a Christian parachurch ministry. They might be a denominational head, something along those lines. But there's, there's few of them. And, and, but that's, so that's why they're at the top of this pyramid, because it's the narrowest portion. And then you have the, the middle piece, the slightly bigger group of people called ministers. I think in a lot of our local churches, these would be people who are the heads of a Sunday school department. Maybe they're leading a prayer ministry. Maybe they're coordinating a small group ministry. Maybe they're a, a worship ministry coordinator. Someone like that who's taking charge of some sort of a ministry. So that's why we give them the title of ministers. There's a few more of those people than there are of leaders, but they're not quite at the top, and I'll explain why. And then the third category is called saints, and that's all of us. Anyone who is a born-again believer who believes that Jesus Christ died for their sins and that he is the one way to receive salvation, that is what a saint is. And that's easily the biggest part of that pyramid because we all fit into that category, right? So here's the interesting thing. We, we see here how there's these different positions, and there's some, and then a few more, and then many, as you go top to bottom. But then when you look at these positions in terms of influence, then all of those roles are reversed. Even though there's few leaders, leaders have great influence, and that's why you have this inverted pyramid, okay? And ministers, they are people with some leadership in the church, not as much as an actual leader, but they also have some influence, right? They don't have none just because they're not a pastor or something else. And then there's the saints. Even though there's many of them, and maybe you could be a Christian for one day or one week, and you may think, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not leading a denomination or a ministry. There still is influence. Even though it's little, it's still there. But the point of this graphic is for us to understand that all of us, all of us have some degree of influence over the life of another human being. We have to realize that this morning. This is such a crucial piece to what it means to live as a Christian, to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus. We, we read about God-given influence in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 13. I want to read that verse again. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us. You hear that? God assigned the influence. So it doesn't mean that one of those positions, leader, minister, or saint, is better than the other. 
That's not the case at all. God has you right where he needs you because that's where he needs an influence. That's where he needs someone to say the name of Jesus, to pray and to intercede, to work on his behalf in an environment where maybe darkness is threatening the light. That's why we are assigned to all these different places on this pyramid. None of us can say, well, I'm not a pastor, or I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not a Sunday school teacher, therefore I'm off the hook, or I don't have any influence. That's never the case. Praise the Lord. Perhaps how much influence do I have is the wrong question, and maybe a better question would be, how can I best serve God with the influence that he has given me? So let's talk about that. Let's answer that question. Let's look at four ways to influence others for Christ. This is the super practical part. We've understood that, yes, we have influence. We understand that, yes, we are supposed to influence people for Jesus. But what does this look like? How does this practically work in our lives? The first thing that we absolutely need to do to influence others for Christ is remain connected to Christ ourselves. Remain connected to Jesus. John 15 verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Or apart from Jesus, we can have no influence for him. If we want to be influential or fruitful, as this passage calls it, we have to be connected to Jesus first. We can't influence people towards a savior that we barely know or are merely acquaintances with. I can introduce you to my friend Brad and I can tell you things about him and I can share examples of the kind of guy that he is because I've spent time with him. If I don't spend time with Jesus, I can't tell you about him with any sort of authority. I can say, well, read the Bible. I'm sure there's something about him in there, but that's not the same thing as me influencing you for Christ. I'll just, you know, we went through a whole series about this in the fall, the Abiding in Christ series, and I thought it was marvelous, and I really think this is a theme that our church is going to be revisiting time and time again. And I'm not going to go through that whole thing here this morning, but I'll just remind us of this. Only through the disciplined work of setting aside time daily to be nourished by Jesus through his word and through prayer will we remain connected to him in an authentic relationship. If we ignore this necessity of spending daily time with Jesus, we will dry up spiritually. And as it says a few verses later, we will wither and fall off like a branch that is dried up. And we can't be a positive influence on anyone else at that moment. In fact, we will actually be a negative influence. These are not things that I'm saying to drag the mood down, but we have to be honest about what scripture says and what we're called to. So the very first thing that's important is we have to remain connected to Jesus. The second piece or the second way in which we can be a tremendous influence on others for Christ is through intercession. Intercession is, is praying for someone else to God. First Timothy two verse one, three and four say this. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Intercession, once again, is just praying to God and asking him to do something in someone else's life. We're interceding for them. Prayer is really influential because if we think about it, the Holy Spirit can do more in a person's life than you and I could ever dream of. 
The Holy Spirit is what cleanses someone's room who is experiencing demonic uh, occurrences. That's not me and Mike. It could have been anyone here praying those things. It wasn't a pastor's power. It was the Holy Spirit's power that did those things, right? So intercession is a good deal. In prayer, we ask that God's will be done for someone else's life. God knows exactly what every single person in this room needs, every single person in Kandu, and every single person on planet Earth. He knows exactly what is going on. Before we even pray, he just wants us to come and intercede on their behalf that we may also nourish our connection with him. Even if we don't pray the perfect prayer for someone, God knows our heart and he will provide for the people we are interceding for. As a youth pastor, I worked with some young leaders and they were raw, but eager and passionate. They just needed some influencing in the right direction to be more disciplined and to grow in character. Those are the things that they needed. Through many efforts, I did my best to influence them towards godly character, but prayer was easily my most powerful tool. I couldn't spend every waking moment with my, with my leaders. They had jobs or school and they had lives, but I could pray for them any time I wanted, and I certainly tried to do that. So interestingly enough, one of, my, one of the, the youth leaders that I work with that I am so fond of, and I love this man to this day, his name is Brett. And, and back in January, he, he sent me a text. And I just want to read this for you, okay? So Brett writes in this text to me. He says, hey, Jeff, it's Brett. I was looking through my emails recently and saw so many from youth back in the day. I was thinking about how much I've grown throughout the years. Thank you for the discipling you have done in my life. I was so moved. I thought that was just amazing and encouraging. But here's the thing. Back then, in those moments that I had with Brett, I remember wondering, is anything I'm doing even making the slightest difference in his life? And I second-guessed myself a lot. Looking back, I I even think today, it's like, I can't believe I did some of that stuff. I'm glad that God had mercy and protected me from other people finding out about some of the grievous mistakes I made, even though they were absolutely with good intentions. Looking back, I kind of wondered if if some of the things I was doing were things I should have done. But one thing I never regretted was prayer. Because God always answers prayer in the way that is right for for him. So yes, we can influence people through prayer as we intercede for them. And it's always perfect because God answers prayer not according to what we always want, but according to what he says is right. The third way in which we can be a good influence for, for people towards God is by modeling and through it and being an example. First Timothy four verse 12 says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith and in purity. So there are five ways that we can be an example or we can model Jesus Christ for someone else. And they're all mentioned right here. Okay, so let's just go through these real quick one by one. Speech. That's one way that we can be an example for the believers. So the things that we say, positive or negative, they absolutely have an impact on people and how they're going to know God through us. So we ought to be praying, Lord, please help my speech to be edifying or to be a positive example to others. Conduct. Our behavior communicates more about us than anything else. Before we even open our mouth, sometimes people will just watch how we live our lives and they will already know if we are a person that they want to be around or not. 
Saying that we are a follower of God is one thing. Living proof seen in our actions is far more convincing for people to follow Jesus themselves. So think about how we are acting and, 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 and conducting ourselves as we're in public. Even here at church. That's a good reminder for this wall, these walls too. Third, love. Genuine love and affection shown for someone else is amazing. And that's why Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's John 13, 55 or 35. So when we love one another, that is a great testimony or a great influence to someone else. If we love each other here or people outside these walls, it's a powerful testimony. Faith or the fourth thing there is... Um, is basically the conviction or the faith that we live our life with, that can be an example to others as well. Because when we live with confidence for Jesus, because we're, we're leaning on the faith that he has given us, saying, even if I don't understand this, I still know that the Bible is telling me to do this, or I'm, I have a sense in my heart that God is leading me to do this, I'm going to step out in faith and try it. That is a great testimony to someone else. Even if it's us getting over fear, but we still are saying, God... I'm scared, but I'm still going to be obedient. That kind of faith is a great influence on others. And the fifth thing is purity. Purity is awesome because even as we refrain from participating in some, uh, some of the sins that others around us are, are partaking in, we model what it means to be saved from sin because we don't live like other people do. We show others that there is a better way and we can influence people through what we don't do. I love that. That's very practical. And I love this verse. So study this one over the week. Meditate on this one. I think there's a lot of good meat in there. We're just covering it over pretty quick here. The fourth thing or the fourth way in which we can uh, ensure that we are being a, a positive influence for Christ is through encouraging and motivating. I like this verse a lot. This next one that I'm going to read. This is uh, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So I, I'm, I'm becoming more of a, of a Bible nerd in my as I'm getting older, and I'm, I'm proud of that, actually. Uh, so I, I like looking at words just to make sure I understand what they mean. So the word motivate here in this verse in Greek is actually the word paraxusmos, which I think I'm pronouncing correctly, but I don't know if anyone wants to correct me. Go for it. Uh, paraxusmos, the word motivate in Greek, means this. It means to stimulate or provoke. I like that. I like those words, okay? And here's why. When we are actually told that our lives as Christians are meant to stimulate or provoke other people to be interested or to be dedicated to Jesus Christ. I think that's great because I've been waiting for permission to be a bit of a pest my whole life. My mom will tell you this and provoking people. It's almost like we get to be a good pest. And it's, I like that kind of an idea. So don't be a jerk, but, but certainly be provoking, be stimulating in the way that you live your life. In other words, we are meant to stimulate people towards Christ likeness. Uh, and we should only try to do this more and more as the return of Christ is drawing near. So the times are changing. I don't know if you've noticed this. The, the world that we live in is upside down all kinds of different ways. So don't you think that provoking and stimulating people to Jesus is more necessary now than it has ever been in the history of our world? Can I get an amen? It's true. Like we don't really have a choice. 
Jesus is going to come back one day soon and he's going to wait to see. He's, he's watching for us. He's waiting. Are you provoking people? Are you stimulating? Are you motivating them and, and modeling for them what it means to be a follower of Christ? I've left you here as an influence. That's what Jesus left us here to be. If, if salvation was the finish line and, and that's all that it meant, all we had to do was get saved from our sins, and if that's the only purpose in our whole life, Jesus would have said, great, come up to heaven. Let's just call it good and, we're, and we'll just end it right there. But obviously he's left us here. There's an influence that he wants us to be in this, in this world. It's like when we became a Christian, we were salt that he was sprinkling strategically where darkness was taking hold. And that's why we need to provoke and stimulate people. Some people may say, you know, Jeff, provoke, provoking and stimulating sounds a little personal. I think you're kind of getting into my bubble and I don't really like it. And that's exactly what I'm doing today. And I don't mind, okay? We're supposed to be getting into your bubble. You're supposed to get into mine. If you see something in my life that I'm sloughing off with, is, that, is sloughing off an uh, English word or a German word? I think that's a low German thing, so sorry. Uh, if I'm slacking off, in, in, in a certain area of my life, you need to come in and say, Jeff, I need to stimulate, stimulate you towards holiness because I can see that you're lacking in this area because you love me. I need you to say that. And because I love you, I need to say those things to you. We need to do these kinds of things because otherwise we're of no use to one another. If you think about it, we are the body of Christ. We belong to Christ. We belong to each other. But one thing is crystal clear. We do not belong to ourselves. You know, the problem I think with most Christians and especially Midwest Christians is that we are just a little too much on the private, polite and passive side. That would be probably one of the greatest roadblocks to us actually being able to promote or provoke or stimulate one another towards Jesus Christ. We don't want to bother people or make someone uncomfortable. And, that, and that's noble. But when it comes to these kinds of things, this is important. Imagine if Jesus uh, was, uh, was a Midwest Christian. Maybe he would take on some of our persona. He'd say, hey, don't hate to bother you. Just want to announce the kingdom of heaven is here. Okay, carry on with your lives. You don't have to pay any attention to me anymore. Imagine if that's what it was like. We would be apologetic for the greatest thing that we could ever share with someone else. And that's not the way it's meant to be. So it's okay to give yourself permission to poke and prod and be a spiritual jab in the ribs to someone so that they will be awakened and they will be stirred and provoked and stimulated to be more like Christ in the way that we all ought to be striving to be. So why not encourage someone and motivate them by sharing a success with them, for instance, you know, I think it's okay. We, we don't have to be so bashful. I, I actually asked a couple of people. I told them this story that I shared before about this paper and the smoke coming from it. And I said, ah, you know, do you think I should share that? Does that sound self-serving? I'm a Midwesterner too. And I, I, I erred on the side of I didn't want to sound cocky or, or, or arrogant. It had nothing to do with me. It, just, it was God's power. And I, I just didn't want people to think that, oh, Jeff's bragging. See, that's the thing. We think that we're bragging when really we're just testifying about someone who, that we're, who we're boasting in. And that's okay. So why not, why not tell someone about a success in your life where Jesus was the author of that success? If you see someone struggling, just say, hey, you know what? Jesus really helped me. Maybe this will work for you. And explain to them what you experienced. 
Tell someone, hey, I used to struggle big time in this category of my life. I used to be a pathological liar. I used to always try to sneak around and hide things from my spouse. I used to always try to, to, to get better grades and I cheated in school or, or I stole things from my work. But tell them what it was that delivered you from those things. Testify about how God made a change in your life and say, why don't you pray? Because this is the thing that helped me turn the corner. Maybe this will work for you as well. Maybe we should be so brazen that we actually go up to someone in our church on a Sunday morning and say, I love you. How can I pray for you? Wouldn't that be a good thing? Okay. That was a question. Questions should elicit a response. So let's ask that again. Don't you think it would be a good thing if someone asked you if they could pray for you? Yes. Why are we afraid of these things? Because we don't want to make people uncomfortable. I'd rather be uncomfortable growing closer to God than comfortable and sliding away from him. Wouldn't you? Yes. Thank you, Donovan. Why not go to someone and say, can you pray for me? You know, we, we, we share these prayer requests and things during praise and prayer, and that's good. But like, let's get specific. I'm struggling with this. James, would you please pray for me? Would you do that, James, if I asked you? See, exactly. Donovan, would you? Yes. Bruce? Yes. These are all my men's Devo group people. See, exactly, guys. We, we need to ask these kind of things and have courage that someone's not going to look at us like, like we have something growing on our face. We just got to say, hey, I'm a normal person like you. Can you please pray for me? I used to struggle. I used to, I, all these kind of things. And we talk about this. We just are honest. Maybe you say, hey, I'm going to the Hearing God seminar. I think it's going to be fantastic, and I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. Would you come with me? Maybe it's an invitational thing. I'm going to church this week. I love it, and I never used to go to church. You would love it too. Come with me. Why not, right? We don't have, it. We don't have any reason to be afraid because we have the greatest news, not just in an evangelistic way, but we have the greatest news to share with one another as we provoke and stimulate one another to, 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 to be sanctified in Jesus. I think about this verse, Romans 1 verse 12, a lot when it comes to the context of our church. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. That is my expectation of you and of me. And I'm not afraid to say that because you should come to church and you should be expecting me to be an encouragement to you. And you should also expect yourselves to be an encouragement to me and to everyone, right? This is what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. That is it for this message, but that's, that's it for the teaching part. We are going to do something practical this morning to actually put these things into play in our lives. Like we talked about, there's four ways that we highlighted this morning that we can be uh, an influence for God in the lives of one another. And one of them was intercession. That's praying. Everyone can pray. Everyone can pray. There is no right or wrong way to do it. As long as we're praying to Jesus, we know that he is going to take our prayers and use them for his glory. So we are going to be praying for one another this morning. Here's what we're going to do. Because it's communion Sunday, I have a table set up here at the front. And I have a table set up here at the back. Thank you, uh, deacons, for helping out with that so much. What we're going to do is I'd like you to find a partner. 
And I want you to find someone who you did not come to church with here today, if possible. If you have kids with you, no problem. You can just do what you got to do. If you have difficulty getting around uh, and, and picking these things up and getting back to your seat, no problem. Raise your hand. We have some deacons who are willing to serve you. But we want to move around as much as possible this morning, okay? So here's what we're going to do. I want you to find a partner in just a moment. I want you to go and get the communion supplies. And then you can stand or sit anywhere in the sanctuary, wherever you want. What you're going to do before you take communion together is you're going to share something that you want this other person to intercede about for you. And then you are going to listen to them and you're going to intercede for them. Okay. And it could be things like you could say very simply, I just want to pray more. I don't know how to do it. And I would really like to pray more. Perfect. I will pray for you that you can pray more. Or maybe it's, I want to read my Bible. Or I want to be more consistent in going to church. Maybe you, maybe you want to be a better example to your kids. You want more courage to share your faith with people in your life who you know need Jesus. Maybe you say, I want to be a stronger example of what it means to be a Christ follower in my workplace. Maybe you just want to quit a bad habit. Say, man, I still say these words, these four-letter words, and they're driving me nuts. I don't want to say that kind of stuff. Would you please pray for me? Good. Thank you for being honest. That's a good thing. Maybe you just want to learn to be still and quiet and actually spend time abiding with Christ. These are the things that you can pray for and anything else that comes to your mind. So here's the instructions again. Find that partner. Grab your communion supplies. You take turns interceding for one another as you share. If you don't like praying out loud, no problem. Just tell the person, what is it that you want me to pray for? Okay, I'll pray in my head and I'll just let you know when I'm done. Go for it. That's great. After that, take communion together. No right or wrong way to do that. If you want to pray, if you want to read the scripture that we read in 1 Corinthians 11 every Sunday, you know, after supper, he took the, the bread and broke it and all these things. If you want to do that, that's fine. If you just want to say, God, we love you. Thank you that we are joined together and we can intercede to be an influence for each other. We are remembering you in this moment. And then you just do your thing. That's great too. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to practice these things because God has called us to be a church that lives for him, not just talks about him. Amen. Amen. All right. So tell you what, just do your thing, spread out. If you're on the front half of the congregation, come up to the front and grab your communion supplies. Back half, there's a table at the back. After you're done, you're free to go. Have a wonderful week and enjoy this moment together.